know what to do when this happens next time. That was the last thing that a doctor said to me after I almost died in his care. And then I fired him. In 2009, I was a relatively healthy 29-year-old until I developed inflammatory bowel disease right around my birthday in February. I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but I was miserable for about two months. And I finally gave in and decided to go to a doctor and see if there was anything they could do to help me. Well, after some invasive tests, very invasive, a GI doctor handed me a prescription for a medication that he called very mild and that it may take about three weeks to kick in, but I should start feeling better soon. I was miserable, so I was like, okay, fine, I'll do whatever it takes. Well, those three weeks passed, and I found myself checking into the emergency room at five in the morning. After I'd been up all night coughing, I had a horrible headache. I had a fever of 103. My whole body was racked with pain. And eventually, it started to feel like I had bricks on my heart. Now, I'd been to the doctor in the previous week because I had had what I thought was bronchitis. And so I figured, you know, they would just tell me, you know, it's bronchitis, go sweat it out, you're fine, whatever. But the, the heart problem was what really concerned me. So I went in, and even then I was still afraid they were going to send me home and just say, it's fine, whatever, go chill. Well, my fear was realized pretty quickly. Um, the ER doctor came back to me after running some tests, and he said, we don't really know what's wrong with you. I'm, I'm sorry you're suffering. Um, we might send you home after this morphine kicks in. And in that moment, my gut told me that if I agreed and went home, I may not make it back there on my own power, if at all. Partly due to shame, you know, feeling like I'd been called a hypochondriac and overreacting, and partly just because I, was, I felt like I was in that bad of shape that my next trip might be in a hearse. I don't know. So I begged him to take me and admit me into the hospital. And I'm guessing because of the high fever, he thought maybe the swine flu test was negative. I don't know. But he finally agreed. So over the next three days, my health and my prognosis rapidly deteriorated to where I ended up being moved into the intensive care unit and put on a ventilator. I don't remember being intubated now. I mean, obviously, they put me out before it happened. But I do remember waking up a little bit later on in what was a completely chaotic scenario. There were lights flashing and things beeping and doctors standing over me. And I looked up and I saw the, the monitor and it said my, my temperature was 105.1. My blood pressure was like 60 over 40 and my oxygen saturation was, I don't remember. I started freaking out. I realized I couldn't talk, and so I tried starting, started trying to fingersprawl mom and dad. I'm not a good sign language speaker, but I tried anyway, because I wanted to tell them goodbye. I was pretty sure that that was it, that I was, I was done. The next thing that I remember, actually, let me backtrack just a tiny bit. My parents told me later, like a few weeks later, that the infectious disease doctor on my case had told them that night that if I was his daughter, 
he would start thinking about planning my funeral because I was more dead than alive at that point. And my parents, who had been not entirely amicably divorced for 27 years, ended up walking out arm in arm with my stepmom graciously walking behind them. In the meantime, that doctor pulled kind of a Hail Mary. He suspected that my lung swelling was due to respiratory distress and basically pumped me full of steroids. For the first time in several days, my vitals started to improve. In that bold move, he saved my life and in the nick of time. So I woke up probably about 24 hours later, I don't know. The sun was shining, there was nobody in my room, it was dead quiet. All I could hear were these machines just kind of buzzing in the background and I thought maybe I was dead. But you know, eventually realized I wasn't, but I couldn't move much at all. I couldn't eat, speak, drink, or anything. These machines kept me alive for 14 days while my lungs continued to heal. They had basically swollen shut before this happened. I was released from ICU after those 14 days and moved into skilled care for two and a half weeks, where I had to relearn how to stand up, how to walk, how to use the toilet, Basic things a 29-year-old shouldn't have to relearn. And just about the time I'm getting ready to go home from skilled care, my GI doctor comes in just to see how I'm doing. And I confronted him. I'd been doing some research about this medication that he'd put me on. And albeit rare, the side effects of this medicine potentially lined up exactly with what I presented with. And I asked him if it was the medication. And I said, okay, fever, ARDS, which is respiratory distress, headache. And he butts in and he goes, you never said you had a headache. Seriously? <laughs> and then as he's standing up and getting ready to go out to leave, he goes, well, we're still not really sure what happened. We think maybe your colon just like jumped up and attacked your lungs. But we'll know what to do the next time this happens. I lost it. I completely lost it. I told my nurse that I didn't want him on my case anymore. That I felt like he had put a curse on me in that moment. There wasn't going to be a next time, damn it. It didn't make sense. Well, then COVID came. So early 2020, you know, the news started breaking about this virus. And a couple of keywords as I was reading caught my attention, such as ARDS and respiratory failure. And I perked up and I was like, oh, this, this could be bad for me. So I started doing research. I started prepping low key, you know, kind of fifth grade Girl Scout level, which I was at one point. And I bought like a pulse ox monitor for your finger and some Tylenol, some vitamins, you know, that kind of stuff. And just kind of hunkered down. And my mother and I lived together and we both took every precaution that we could. But in spite of all that, we managed to stay COVID free for almost a full year. But then it came for us on my 41st birthday. <laughs> February 15th, 
2021, I took my mom into the hospital and they told us that she had COVID. She ended up only being in for two days, miraculously. But the day after she came back home, my test came back positive, which I wasn't surprised at that point because I didn't feel very good. And I started to think about the possibilities of what might happen. Started checking my pulse ox with that monitor I bought last year, drank lots of water, rested, but I just kept feeling worse and worse. Well, Friday, everything, the wheels just came off. I felt horrible all day. And I wanted to maybe go to the ER, but I didn't want to jump the gun. I didn't want him to think I was overreacting. I didn't want to be a hypochondriac. So I waited because I remembered when my mom came home, they told me if she gets below 88% oxygen, you need to bring her back in. Well, I wasn't at 88% yet. So I was like, okay, I'm fine. Just chill, whatever. Well, around 1130 Friday night, I got up because I was just at my breaking point and things weren't getting better. It was just getting worse. And I checked my pulse ox again. And sure enough, I was at 88%. So I, I knew what I had to do. It was go time. So I grabbed a pair of pants, and I grabbed this T-shirt off my floor that seemed appropriate. It's the Ray Gun uh, 2020 Memories T-shirt. You may have seen it. It has a raging dumpster fire on the front. I have a sick sense of humor, but it gets me through stuff. <laughs> so my partner and I told my mom that he was taking me to the hospital, and I quickly gave our Chihuahua Lola a snuggle because I sincerely wondered if it was going to be the last time. And as we walked out and got into the car right around midnight, Saturday morning, I knew my mission, and it was to save my own life. About 15 minutes later, after the drive into Mercy downtown, we checked in at the emergency room, and I told him, you know, I'm Jessica Severe. I recently tested positive for COVID. My O2 was at 88% when we left the house. I have a history of ARDS and I'm scared. That last part, I'm scared. First, I couldn't believe it came out of my mouth. <laughs> but that vulnerability gave me power in that moment. And I had an EMT immediately take me off into a triage room, set me up with oxygen had me sit for a couple hours just to sit and, and rest. About three o'clock, he comes in and he goes, can you walk over to the exam room over there? It's about 20 feet. And I was like, yeah, I think so. So I got up and, you know, carefully walked over there, sat back down, and my O2 was at 80%. And I started to realize I'm not doing too good here. And a doctor walks in after that. And I explain my situation. I tell her my medical history that I have COVID and that the last time I had respiratory failure, they gave me steroids. And she kind of snapped into gear. She ran a couple tests. She walked out. She came back, and she had a vial of steroids. And I was like, what? I've, I felt like somebody actually took me seriously and listened to my own knowledge of my medical history to say, hey, this worked before. I don't know what your protocol is, but, you know, maybe try it. And turns out that's actually what they use. So that was cool. Anyway, um, I, could, I could write a book about what ended up being a 12-day staycation <laughs> in Mercy downtown. Um, 
and I might someday, I don't know, but I gotta tell you this at least before I go. If you ever have to be admitted to Mercy Downtown, it, try to at least stick around for Monday lunch if you can, because they have a brisket special. Pardon the pun, it is not to die for, but it's really good. <laughs> So just, just trust me on this. And also, there, there's a whole other thing about lemon fluff. That could be another 20-minute story. It's divine. I'm probably going to get a tattoo of it pretty soon. <laughs> I'm not joking. If you know anybody, call me. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I had a doctor come in later on in the week, and he told me if I hadn't come in when I had, and if I had just tried to sleep it off that night, I may not have woken up the next morning. I was in that bad of shape when I came in. And I got there in the nick of time because I trusted myself. And I trusted them to take excellent, aggressive, proper care of me. And then Saturday night, this was a week into my stay. I had this wonderful nurse that we'd been chatting, and she came in about 10.30 that night to check on me, and she just kind of had, had an aside, and she goes, you know, the, the nurses, we fight over who gets to treat you. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, not it? And she's like, no, 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 we, we like you. You're, you're cool. And she goes, and you're, you've pretty much beaten this at this point. You're a success story. We don't get a whole lot of those lately. That statement still clearly chokes me up because, wow, we don't get a whole lot of success stories lately. Wow. So anyway, Monday morning comes and they are talking about dismissing me, that I might be ready to go home. And I was like, whoa, okay, cool. But they needed to send somebody to do this walking test, because I hadn't walked anywhere, really, in like two weeks, but the bathroom. And they wanted to make sure that I could go home without an oxygen tank, or if I needed one, that they would supply me with one. Well, they never came on Monday. And then Tuesday, they never came. And I was like, okay, what's going on? I thought I was supposed to have this test. And a nurse walks in with my discharge papers, and I freaked out. <laughs> I freak out sometimes. And, and I, but I, I just, I lost it because I didn't feel confident enough that I was healthy enough to go home on, on my own power without knowing if I needed support or not. And I told my nurse that, that I just, I, please let me do this test. Even if it means I have to stay another night, it's fine. And so she... Did, made some phone calls, and they were like, yeah, we can do it in the morning. And I was like, thank you. And that night, I slept for the first time in about three days. Wednesday morning, I woke up. I had the best hospital breakfast ever. And I got this crazy idea. Now, you're, you're probably wondering why are you so extra up here. Well, <laughs> um, I bought this dress on clearance online in, I don't know, November. It was 50 bucks. I mean but I didn't have anything to wear it for. And I was like, well, if I can get somebody to go to my house and grab it, that would work. So my friend Carolyn, who's here tonight, uh, went to my house, FaceTimed me, and 
plucked the dress out of my closet, took it to the hospital, and delivered it. And the reason why I had this idea was I remembered the only clothes I had with me was that dumpster fire t-shirt. And, you know, dumpster fires are kind of my meme, like my personal meme, but still, this dumpster fire had been extinguished pretty successfully. I beat COVID. Like, and I, <laughs> thank you. It wasn't just me. It was the doctors, too, for sure. But I, it felt like a victory that needed to be celebrated. That day that that doctor told me, well, we'll know what to do when this happens next time. It sure felt like a curse at the time. But you know what? I did know. And God forbid it ever happens again, but I'll know again. Thank you. <laughs>